throughout all the different sports, I think everybody is on that path. So it's the margins used to be like, oh yeah, these guys, like the Lakers are doing these crazy stuff, but nobody else. Now, like the difference between the Prudential guys and the Barkley guys and the Lakers are very minimal. They're just trying out different types of, you know, modalities, different type of coaches, different type of nutrition and science. So it's really fun because the more they all explore, if they're all doing the same thing, we're not going to learn as much as the general public. Welcome to the Bar Band Podcast, where we talk to the smartest athletes, coaches, and minds from around the world of strength. I'm your host, David Thomas Tao, and this podcast is presented by Barband.com. Today I'm talking to David Meltzer. David is the co-founder of Sports One Marketing and formerly served as the CEO of the renowned Lee Steinberg Sports and Entertainment Agency, which was the inspiration for the movie Jerry Maguire. He's a three-time international best-selling author, a top 100 business coach, the executive producer of Entrepreneur's number one digital business show, Elevator Pitch, and host of the top entrepreneur podcast, The Playbook. David is on a mission to inspire one billion people, that's right, with a B, to be happier. And a huge component of that is through fitness. In today's episode, we talk about how David's outlook on fitness has influenced his path to becoming one of the world's most in-demand entrepreneurs, along with his fitness routine on the road. We also chat about which professional athletes and pro leagues are on the cutting edge of sports performance and technology, especially when it comes to strength and conditioning. Also, I want to take a second to say we're incredibly thankful that you listen to this podcast. So if you haven't already, be sure to leave a rating and review of the Barbend podcast in your app of choice. Now let's get to it. David, thanks so much for joining me today as a guest on your podcast. I feel like I learned I learned something every time I listen, and I definitely learned something when I was a guest, so I really appreciate that. But you just got back from a pretty significant spat of travel. Is that correct? Yeah, since January 1st, uh, almost... I mean, almost every day, but I had family with me, et cetera. So it was a heck of a January and February. That takes the edge off a little bit. I, when we were last chatting, you talked a lot about uh, your fitness routine and visiting gyms while on the road. Is that a big part of kind of your, your travel agenda? And how has that evolved over the years? Yeah, it's really evolved. Number one, just the idea of fitness itself. Mm-hmm. I think depending on your age, you start getting clarity on how important your health is. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was always somebody, and I'm sure people out there are going to listen and say, yeah, that's me. I put my family first, and I'm sure I was living going, yeah, of course you did. I have four <laughs> kids. Uh, then I put my activity I got paid for next. Most right. people call that work, but I'm blessed. It's just activity I get paid for. And then my health. And what I started realizing, uh, because I played sports in college and because I was extremely fit through my 20s, that in my mind, I was always that fit through my 30s and into my mid-40s in my mind. And I did not see the gradual accumulation of how fitness was starting to deteriorate my life until, thank goodness, my wife told me when I kind of made a recovery economically and asked her, what can I get you, anything? And she said, you need to take care of yourself first because if you don't take care of... I know you're going to take care of others if you take care of yourself. So as a premise... The first switch is just putting your health first. Mm-hmm. I don't think 99% of the people understand that. Mm-hmm. They think they're they're doing themselves and their families justice by putting the, their family first mm-hmm. or their work first. Anyway, 
Then I had to just say, okay, I'm, and I went through this period after I put my health first of this routine. And so I had a routine when I was at home. And normally I don't travel for two straight months like I did, but to carry a routine with the right equipment and the right food and the right stretching and the right balance, it didn't fit when I was on the road. And so I just skipped it. And number one, making it a priority. Then two, making my routine at home the same as I could do on the road and taking the extra time to make sure that because fitness was first, a minimum of an hour a day on my health, mm -hmm. that I had the right equipment on the road and the right food on the road. I pa I, I was kind of bummed, but I got a first-class upgrade because of the I'm, coronavirus. I'm so, I'm so sorry to hear about yeah, that. Yeah, like the, the super first grade, like the full bed. And I was like, because I was so prepared with my zip lock full of food. Oh, you were yeah. <laughs> you you were preparing for like a more arduous journey. Exactly. Kind of sardine canned in there with everyone yeah, else. Yeah, because we left at five. I wanted to have a, a healthy dinner. Yeah. And so I packed my Ziploc. My wife was laughing at me. And then here now I got like pokey and filet. <laughs> <laughs> but I think to that point, I think preparation and understanding. But the two key things in my evolution is staying fit mm -hmm. was putting it first and having you know, the right road routine that's similar to the home routine. Mm -hmm. Food, uh, stretching, and working out. I, I think that's really important. And you say, when you talk about road routine, you're not just talking about like a gym workout. I get a lot of texts from friends or emails from friends. They're like, hey, I'm going on a work trip. Can you give me some workouts I can do in my hotel room or at a hotel gym? Sure, I, I can. But if you're eating like crap and you're sleeping like crap, and that's so different than what you're experiencing in your normal home environment, you're not going to make that same level of progress. You're going to lose fitness and you're going to lose a sense of wellness even when you're on the road. So I like how you view that holistically. For you, is there a part of that, call it sleep and recovery, food, nutrition, exercise, uh, and, and movement, is there a part of that equation that you find yourself ever coming up most short in or most often? For sure, food. Really? Yeah, for me, it's, it's really difficult uh, because in order to really do it, I would have to pack food, I think, mm. most likely, because my schedule's so active on the road. I have a sleep coach, so sleep is really not, the, that's the easiest one for mm -hmm. me. And I sleep really well. Um, next fitness is easier to plan than food. Mm -hmm. You know, you can sit at home and call a hotel or see a 24 hour fitness yeah. or chart out where you're going to run at the park and you can see the weather. I mean, there's so many things you can see, but I just find that the food side of it is so difficult to stay on. Like you said, mm -hmm. a real routine. And it's something that's evolved over time. And I think, in, in my opinion, and you've been traveling for a lot longer than I have, and you're much, much more much seasoned older. on the road, <laughs> let's put it that way, than I am. I feel like, even in, from my perspective in the past 10 years, healthy eating on the road has become more accessible. Now, part of that's due to the globalization of certain food brands and also the mega food brands saying, hey, the consumers want something maybe a little bit healthier. How are you seeing that play out, especially internationally? Absolutely. I mean, this building that we're in here in Manhattan is living proof compared to even five years ago, mm -hmm. right? There's the sweet greens and the whole foods yep. and the blah, blah, blah. And then even in this office space, you know, I have healthy protein bars behind me and other things that would never have been available. Yeah. And now there's an apple and, and other stuff that are behind me that I just had to grab where in the pa past it was, you know, one of the, the biggest uh, misguided uh, foods was trail mix uh -huh. in my generation. You mean candy? Yeah. <laughs> I thought it was healthy. Like until, like I travel a lot, those airport bags, yeah. until I made that mistake one day and turned it over and said, 
wait, this whole bag is 750 grams. Like, it was calories, and it was terrible for me. And I thought I was eating healthy. Trail mix is just peanut M&Ms with the peanuts and the M&Ms separated out. Right. That's, that's all it is. It's, and, and for some reason, we have that. If we can see the nut, right. we have the perception. They might perception. throw craisin in there, too. Yeah, yeah, just, just for texture. Well, it's just like cran apple. Like the cran, I used to think I was being healthy, having a cran apple on the plane or whatever that drink was, and it had more sugar. It was ridiculous. I was killing myself thinking I was being healthy. One thing that I always find interesting and, and a reason that I started Barbend is I love seeing what lessons people in elite performance, the top performing athletes, what they're doing for fitness, nutrition, recovery, because we see gradually over the years and the decades that kind of trickle down to the general population. The people who are making big bucks, setting world records, that high performance level, they're oftentimes trying these things out and then the things that stick will trickle down to the general population, will experience that as well. You've worked closely with some of the world's top performing athletes for, for decades. I mean, you were, you were the guy. You had everyone on speed <laughs> dial when it came to top athletes across sports. What are some of the trends that you saw, maybe call it in the 90s or early 2000s, that the top performers were doing across the sports world, and now they're kind of, oh, something that you know anyone who's just worried about their wellness might be focusing on? You know, it's amazing. As simple as stretching, mm. like people did not stretch in balance. But even beyond that, like the cryo side of things that are going on, cryotherapy. The, yeah, cryotherapy was early. Uh, and now it seems to be really mainstream. There are like you know franchises of cryotherapy and ultra therapies, and the, also the neuro side of stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, very early on, and maybe I was more exposed to it because of the CT. Uh, type of concern that we had uh, in our sports agencies from such an early day. But, oh, for like close head injuries. Yeah, yeah. but it really led to just the neuroactivity, baseline testing, neurotherapy. You know, there's all types of different devices and MLMs even now yeah. that I see in the mass that are available. Um, you know, and I think massage is a really big side that, uh, you know, I remember there, there's an athlete, no one else will probably know who this is, but Danny Shays uh, played 18 years in the NBA. His father was one of the top 50 players, Dolph Shays of all times. But Danny played 18 years uh, because he literally took a holistic approach to his fitness. He, you know, he was massage, he did yoga, he all these different things right. that now the top athletes were doing 25 you know, 30 years ago. Mm -hmm. And now everybody is involved in doing that. And to that matter now, I think you'll see even more within the context of what these athletes are doing in the sensory cortex of their minds mm -hmm. uh, in that type of thing. I, if you go to like the UFC Performance Center, I'm blessed to be working uh, as a, on the Olympic Committee. And so I get up to Colorado as well. And there's some extraordinary things that these athletes uh, I see that are exposed to today right. that are probably because of the accelerated curve only two years from being mass uh, type of applications that we can take advantage of. You, you gave some really good examples there. The one that always comes to mind for me is Steve Nash later in his career became famous as the guy who made sleep journals popular in the NBA. <laughs> now and, you're hitting right on my alley. Right. And then, and then obviously Tom Brady, well, I mean, there are literal books written about the stuff that he's trying to extend his, you know, impressive playing career, superlative playing career, really, no matter if you're a Pats fan or not. Uh, are there any other examples that stick out in your mind of like specific athletes who have done focused on this thing and it's added years to 
their career. Well, I'll use one on sleep just real as a whole team. So Mita Singh, who's my uh, sleep coach, mm-hmm. and she's a sleep coach in the NFL, NBA, and MLB. She coached the Nationals, who for the first time, they're the first World Series winning team to win all four road games. Yeah. Which sleep has always been a huge factor of performance in playoffs and World Series. Yeah. Because it catches up to you because there's so many games in different time zones back and forth. Yeah. It's really interesting. Um, but yeah, I mean, look at, I mean, the best athletes, Kobe Bryant, you know, like his regiment and routine was ridiculous. And, and in his career, the things, you know, you don't even remember, he went to Europe to heal his he had, knee. He had platelet-rich therapy, was yeah, that correct? Yeah, so he was doing STEM, platelet-rich therapy. STEM is another area uh, that I see getting into the masses yeah. and as the safety and their testing goes, you'll see extraordinary uh, applications. I think also the use of testosterone, it, 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 and this might sound mm-hmm. interesting, mm-hmm. but it's a huge business. Yeah. Um, and not if you're taking 4,000, you know, <laughs> milliliter, milli, whatever it is of it. But I think as you'll see the corporate executives mm-hmm. who are middle-aged normally, yeah. and right now middle-aged men are our corporate CEOs, just percentage-wise, I think you'll see, you know, testosterone therapy more and more and more if it's not already hit the masses. I mm-hmm. mean, it's a multi-billion dollar business. Yeah. But it, like I see a lot of executives telling me to go get tested, try it out. You know, it's changed their whole life. And the, the analogy they gave me that interested me, because if I've always had the sports side of it. Like, right, and you're like, like, that's, like a, that's a dirty word. Yeah, 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 exactly. yeah. Don't say steroids yeah. around me, you know, like tea. But, you know, like, Dave, if you were deficient in vitamin D, once you take some. I, I am deficient in vitamin D. And last yeah. time I saw my doctor, he's like, hey, go get some vitamin D. Yeah. I you gotta live in the sun, I guess. <laughs> oh yeah, I mean that's part of the, that's part of the issue with living in New York. You just I'm I'm pale. Except for today, you've got a nice base tan on. I, I let's we're gonna have to change the coloring <laughs> of the video post. Uh, I, I do want to talk a little bit about just because this is the Bar Bend podcast yeah. and we do focus on on strength training and strength sports and strength mean a lot of different things. It's not just can you put a thousand pounds on your back and set a world record. Some people can. Great. We think strength is for everyone. Let's talk about the approach and, and viewpoint of strength training or approach to strength training in some of the more like mainstream, especially team sports. We've seen that evolve over the last few decades. I mean, like for years and years and years, even when I was in high school, I heard don't squat all the way down. It's bad for your knees. Well, we know better now. So how are lessons like that impacting the approach to strength training that someone in the NBA might have, the MLB might have, people who have long seasons and take a lot of abuse, basically? Yeah, I think you nailed it, though, is the education of positioning mm-hmm. when you're doing certain exercises. Yeah. You know, simple change is instead of parallel toes, toes out to yeah. protect the knees. And when you're talking about strength training, mm-hmm. but strength training applies to every athlete, because there's proof now, scientific proof, that the stronger you are, the longer in the season you'll last and the longer your career will be. And when the dollars are so big, there's really a lot more focus placed upon that. So I see the doctors, the trainers, the physical therapists, all looking at strength in a different way. And like you said, we're looking at full body strength. Mm -hmm. And also one of the other areas that I think is interesting is specific uh, strength. So there's through technology, like these unbelievable strength measuring and, and practicing like the UFC performance center, yeah. they have one that like shows your torque, right? The strength of the 
for the moves that you need to do specific to being a UFC star. That reminds me of in Rocky, like in Rocky four, all the scenes of Ivan Drago. <laughs> yeah, this yeah, is super yeah. nerding out. I love that. And they, have, they have like the, the, for, the force plate, right? And he like, they're trying to figure yeah. out the PSI in his, behind his punches. You know, that That's was nothing compared to UFC, what they have. That was science fiction much. in Soviet Russia, but it's the reality for these fighters now. It is. It's probably rudimentary reality. Like this things that they have, they actually have like a pad on the ground to show the inertia of your legs while you're punching and then showing the, you the PSI in this specific area and how positioning yourself differently. I would, I would, I'm so terrified of if I ever had the opportunity to actually use those because I would, I'd be really afraid the readings would come out so low that it'd be like, it'd just be like, oh, we weren't, we weren't able to read that yeah. insufficient data. Yeah, that's yeah. like, that's like my I'd biggest say the fear. machine is broke. Yeah. <laughs> You've also seen, I mean, your, your career in, in sports, working with some of the top athletes, the top teams, the top leagues, because, you know, it's at that, it's at sure. that level. You work with the Olympic Committee and multiple leagues. Um, I mean, we've seen, athletes really pushed the boundaries of what was once thought possible as far as the length of their careers. Football, basketball, baseball, golf. We're seeing that more and more these days. What are some other components of that these athletes are using or strategies they're using, approaches that teams and leagues are taking that you think is allowing that to happen? I think the nutrition side of strength is important. Mm-hmm. I think the stress on core, okay. uh, core is a big deal. Mm-hmm. If you look at why careers end, a lot of them end on a back or a neck, like, you know, it's essential damage. It's not all, it's not all turf toe. No, not at all. And I think it's interesting because my day-to-day business partner, Warren Moon played football till he was 44. Mm-hmm. And he was a person that treated his body like a temple, mm-hmm. right? He, no drugs, no alcohol, anything through that career. Right. And he stretched and he, you know, was very strong for a quarterback mm-hmm. and very specific in his training and a lot of that was strength and recovery, which I think go hand in hand as well. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of, and you know, not to cite research studies off the top of my head, but there's a lot of research that suggests and anecdotal evidence that suggests that your your body starts losing certain types of muscle fiber at 30, 31, 32, which has me really considering my day to day and gets me motivated to go back to the gym. But, you know, if athletes are playing well into their late 30s and early 40s, that's certainly a consideration because you're seeing that decline way earlier than we might anticipate. We see something on the, you know, 33, that's not old, but when it comes to elite performance, it can make a difference, especially on recovery. Yeah, it's interesting because there's speed and strength, right? And yeah. I think those fibers, the speed fibers definitely mm-hmm. leave you. Yep. And, you know, I see that more and more even over 40. Uh, there's less elite athletes over 40, yeah. but the most common thing that the great athletes that I know talk about is the speed. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas the strength they actually can get stronger. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's really interesting, and you you can you know go to the gym and see just in the general public mm-hmm. how that's working out uh, with different age groups yeah. and how the biochemistry and the muscles work. Once again, I think it's important because these elite athletes uh, are leading us into how to live longer. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's one thing to play longer. But it really can help you if you're looking at somebody that can play till they're 44 or 40. Like Tom Brady, I think, showing people that, look, if you treat yourself correctly, yeah. you know, I can actually play at the highest level until I'm 45 or maybe even 50 like he wanted at one time. I, I love that about Tom Brady. How at 40, he's like, I'm going to play for 50 for sure. Notice how now he's backed off of that. Those it's three down to years. 45, 46 at this point. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Because it's interesting because no matter how you explain it to people. There's no way you could ever explain to someone what it's like to have a child, what it's like to be married, or what it's like to get old. Mm. 
And the reason is I don't think anybody believes you. They have to experience it themselves. They're like, oh, no, my marriage won't be that way. Oh, no, no, kid. Right. I won't be that kind of kid. My kids, I'm, I'm different. I'll never say that to my kid, right? Like, I, because I told you. Like, I would bet you over a million dollars when I was in my 20s that when I had kids, I would never tell them because I told you. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, it's, it's a, it became a go-to, huh? Yeah, it is a go-to sometimes. <laughs> um, who out there right now is really impressing? You mentioned your, your sleep coach. Who's impressing you? It could be at an individual level, a team level, a league level, with their focus on longevity and holistic wellness for the athlete. You know, Sean McVay. Okay, cool. For the Rams. Yeah. Like, he is all over just all these different alternative methodologies that deal with mind, body, mm. and soul combined. Yeah. He's looking to all types of different coaches and, and inspirational stuff that he, uh, really leading the way. Mm -hmm. um, and maybe he's in my backyard and I see it. The Lakers have always been extraordinary on the physical side. They were the first to have, you know, chiropractic yoga holistic stuff and mental training it's such now, an la approach of course yeah, they yeah, had yeah. to be of course they had to be the first but you know and then on the other on the other side of you know the yankees have always been mm -hmm. in baseball you know leading the way and it may just because they ha had the most money um and i think it's really interesting now throughout all the different sports i think everybody is on that path mm -hmm. so it's the margins used to be like oh yeah these guys like the lakers are doing these crazy stuff but nobody right. else now like the difference between pr the prudential guys and the barkley guys and the lakers are very minimal they're just trying out different types of you know modalities different type of coaches different type of nutrition and science so it's really fun because the more they all explore if they're all doing the same thing we're not going to learn as much as the general public right. but because they're all so competitive and the money's so great that it motivates them. And I know because I consult for a lot of the companies right. coming in. So you, you, see, know, guys the, like, you hey, see the stakes, you it, see what's on the table. Exactly. And that's the ROI that we're pitching into the teams going, look, if we just get this much more uh, of a performance or we can heal somebody a week faster. Oh my God. That's right. And so, hugely impactful. Yeah, hugely impactful. And so I think that's what's really exciting to me is that it's not just a few, it's all and it's faster. It's a recovery arms race that eventually may benefit all of us. Right, which is really good. Yeah, normally when like when companies just throw money at each other, it, the, the 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 lead into like, oh, how does it benefit me, the consumer? It's not always super tangible, but in the sports world, I mean, we can see these technologies develop and hopefully over time as they develop and as they become more common, they get cheaper, which yeah. makes them more accessible to you and me. And aligned with what you do in the strength side of thing with Barbend, you know, one of the things that I had to study up on the coronavirus mm. uh, because I'm getting called in as an analyst for a lot of people to talk about how it will impact the marketing mm -hmm. and attendance and you know all the monetary things that right. I know about. Yeah. Um, but the interesting thing that I found out about strength so far through my research is the immune system is also strength. Mm -hmm. right? People that are strong mm -hmm. have stronger immune systems. Yeah. It's really interesting. So talk about again, imagine this virus and, and you have this strength program that then you say, look, your team's less likely to go down because mm -hmm. what's it going to cost one of these teams if they get the virus? Well, we're already seeing the impacts in Italy. They've banned spectators in all professional sporting events. I mean, the impact on ticket, you're not, you don't have a gate. The ticket sales are, are non-existent now. Exactly. But imagine if the team can't play, 
Forget the spectators. Right. Nobody's going to want to come. That's like halfway there. Imagine if it's all the way there. It's <laughs> yeah. complete shutdown. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, one guy gets it on the team, those locker rooms, you know, that's a, a very viral disease. It's going to spread. One one last topic I wanted to touch on. This is something we talked about a little before the podcast is the relationship. It could be strength specific. It could be fitness specific between that aspect of wellness and Business performance, cognitive performance. Look, most people listening to this podcast, they're not professional athletes. What they do the other 23 hours of the day is going to be much more important for their income, more important to generally where they go in life than that you know, hour or two they're spending in the gym, even though it's really important. But what impact does that have on your performance in the boardroom, in business, and just being a professional outside the gym? Well, it's efficiency, effectiveness, and statistical success, mm. right? Quantitatively, I have looked and analyzed and still do because I want to improve upon this. But my ability, because of my fitness and my strength, to go ahead and work the amount of productive hours, or I say activity I get paid for, productive, <laughs> productive hours, how efficient I am with those hours, yeah. and how statistically successful I am. Most people can't travel the way that I do. They can't sleep the way that I right. do. They can't move the way that I do. And it goes all the way, you know, stronger you are, the more balance that you have. You know, when people talk about this virus killing people, go look up how much balance, how many people balance kills. Meaning, okay, older people are more exposed to, you know, this virus and there's a certain percentage. Watch how many people die from falling. Mm -hmm. It's ridiculous. Yeah. So strength is, and I'm telling you, it applies to so much. And I didn't realize because I'm one of those guys, I'm 52. At 42, I would have told you I was in great shape. I'm in better shape at 52 than I am at 42. It was in my mind mm. because I didn't know how, like, I am flexible. I'm way stronger, endurance-wise way stronger, my immune system way stronger, all these different things. You add them all up into your daily corporate activities, right, as a leader, yep. motivating people through my inspiration and energy. I light up a room because of my strength. Mm -hmm. You know, what if I was tired? You know, as I travel 200 days a year or yeah. to this place, even these interviews, the brand builds because of the energy and strength. So it is the core, no pun intended, to what I do is making sure, which is why it's my number one priority. Yeah, approaching a heavy barbell or approaching a heavy lift takes a lot of concentration and you have to summon a connection between body and mind. You have to be on. And that level of being on reminds me of going into an interview. Reminds me, it's the same feeling when I look at a heavy barbell and I'm trying to go for a heavy back squat or a heavy clean or a heavy deadlift as when I'm about to speak to a group of people or when I'm about to you know, interview an impressive person. Not that I would know anything about that today. Joking. You know, it, no, honestly, I think even more than that, when you apply it to life, yeah. it's your perception of what you can do. Anyone that's lifted heavy weights and strength, they've been there where like, I can't do one more rep. Yeah. And then they pump out three more. Mm -hmm. Like, where does that energy come from? It's the same thing. People, it's that consistent, persistent pursuit of your potential. Yeah. It's exemplified in that strength training where, gosh, you come off a workout by doing that. Now you're in a meeting. It carries over. Yeah. Everyone else is ready to quit. And you're like, no, no, let's do three more. We can get this. It literally, I, I don't think there's a better way and, you know, through that type of training to, to see what you can do. And the confidence and believing in yourself are so important. Mm -hmm. And that absolutely, everyone has their personal best. Everyone's gone through a workout where they thought they were dead and they were able to do another rep or another, like everyone's done that. And you know, even, even to the point where basically I've had these days, I've woken up and my mindset, oh, you know what? I'll just take the day off. And then I remind myself, no, 
consistency. You're just going to go in, lower the bar. We're just going to go and do 30 minutes light cardio stretch and balance. That'll be your hour. Don't worry. Then you go in and somehow after the first five minutes. You find the next gear. Exactly. And then how great do you feel? And you're like almost patting yourself on the back afterwards. And that's what we want to do through what you're teaching and, and also promoting, as well as what you know I think is a general priority. Just It'll change the world if people start putting that first, that minimum of an hour a day on your health. David, thanks so much for joining us today. It's always a pleasure to chat. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you so much. 